Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 66. When I have the time available, I view and answer questions on Quora.com. It's obvious that most of the questioners are snowflake America-hating liberals. They must be young, too, because every single question shows a complete ignorance of the Constitution and basic civics. They simply have no idea how this constitutional republic works. The other day, there was one such questioner who thought he was asking one of those gotcha questions. He asked if we still considered America the home of the brave, with everyone cowered down during the coronavirus pandemic. I answered this question, of course, but none too kindly. After all, as you know well by now, I'm a very proud American and my ancestors, and I have shown our pride with our blood. This guy's question did make me think about something, though. This pandemic lockdown has most certainly brought out the worst in some people, as you'd expect as a result of the effects of original sin. But it's brought out the best in many more than those showing their worst. I've been keeping track of the good, kind, and inspirational things our fellow Americans have been doing since this all started, and I wanted to vote this episode to spotlight some of what these amazing Americans have done. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. I'd heard and read some of what I'd call minor incidents of kindness, but nothing I'd consider heroic kindness until I read about this young lady, who I think was about 20, becoming a guardian angel for an elderly couple. 
The news media had done such a fine job of scaring the American people that this elderly couple were standing outside a grocery store crying because they were afraid to go inside because they thought they'd catch the coronavirus just being inside with a bunch of strangers. Still, they were driven by their need for food. In their minds, it was a damned-if-you-do and damned-if-you-don't situation. Die from the disease if they went in, starve if they didn't go in. The young lady saw them crying and asked what the problem was. When the elderly couple told her, she offered her help. These perfect strangers became benefactor and beneficiary. The young lady calmed the old couple's fears, took them into the store, and helped them buy their food. When the grocery shopping was done, the young lady gave them her phone number. She pledged that the elderly couple would never again have to leave the house to get whatever they needed, that she'd run all their errands for them as long as we'd have to contend with this pandemic. This is what I call heroic kindness, because it was from a complete stranger who wanted to do her part for at least one very frightened old couple. It was after I read this story that I began to collect and keep track of such stories for the episode I knew I'd run in the near future. Stories like this don't surprise me. No, not at all. From our founding until sometime after World War II, we were a Christian nation. We began slipping into a post-Christian era after the war, but for over a century and a half we were dyed-in-the-wool Christian. After that length of time, it was in our national DNA to show kindness and generosity to others. You'll find random acts of kindness in other countries, especially the Western world, but you won't find them in such abundance and regularity as in America. For all our problems, divisions, and disagreements, the American people are good people who want to help their fellow Americans. I've always viewed America as being a very large family. In a family, brothers and sisters fight and call each other names all the time. But if a brother sees his sister in trouble, or a sister sees her brother in trouble, one is there to help the other in half a heartbeat. That's what we do. And these acts of heroic kindness aren't limited to individuals either. The fastest-growing business in the nation is MyPillow.com, owned by Mike Lindell in Minnesota. On his own, without being asked by the government, Lindell converted 75% of his manufacturing facility to make needed cotton masks for people. He's probably making them from incredibly expensive Giza cotton he had on hand for his upscale products, so he's no doubt taking a loss. The only thing Lindell thinks about, though, is that he's serving Jesus in his fellow Americans. Then there was this middle school math teacher in South Dakota. One of his students was having trouble with her homework. Despite that school has been suspended due to the pandemic, this teacher took his whiteboard and went to her home to help. The 13-year-old girl stayed on her porch while the teacher helped her work out her problem from the sidewalk on his whiteboard. How many teachers do you know who would do that? Well, as it turns out, there are a lot of teachers who would. I've seen incidents of teachers from entire schools driving through the neighborhoods where their students live, just away from their cars to the students who came out to greet them. The teachers, who missed their students, did this so they could reassure the kids that everything would be okay. I think reassuring kids is important during this pandemic. 
Kids today have to regularly go through fire drills at school. In my day, we had to regularly go through nuclear bomb drills. My generation grew up with the threat of nuclear annihilation, so I understand the need to reassure kids. Here's one I was overjoyed to read. When nurses on their break at a Nashville hospital gathered at the helicopter pad on the roof of the building, they spent their break time praying over the patients and medical staff beneath their feet. Doctors, nurses, and technicians are incredibly overworked right now, so break time gives them an opportunity for much-needed rest. But these nurses sacrificed the rest they had a right to in order to ask God to help their patients and the medical professionals they had to work with. I find that extraordinary. Speaking of nurses, here's a story about an American who sacrificed something he wanted for nurses. This man is a craftsman who was saving up money to buy a very upscale knife sharpener when this pandemic broke. The Michigan man decided his knife sharpener wasn't nearly as important as helping out. So he stood in front of a gas station near a hospital and held a sign toward the street that read, Free Gas for Nurses. He said he'd do that until all the money he'd been saving was gone. That's the kind of thing Americans do. Food service workers have been hit incredibly hard. The servers get paid a buck or two an hour, then have to rely on tips to earn a livable wage. They aren't getting tips right now, though, because nobody tips at a drive through window or at a curb service. That means many of these food servers can't even pay rent to stay in the apartments they live in. This was told by a reporter in California who interviewed a waitress there. Well, an apparently wealthy benefactor all the way in Illinois saw the report and immediately leaped into action. He contacted the news outlet and asked them to keep him anonymous from the waitresses. Then he pledged to pay their rent until America could get back to work. That's what Americans do. There's something the fake news media have completely ignored. Working anonymously, President Donald Trump directed his campaign officials to do a win-win helping hand. The Trump campaign has been anonymously donating meals to hospitals in areas hardest hit by the coronavirus outbreak, including New York, New Jersey, Michigan, and Washington State. The restaurants are busy making meals and keeping their employees working, and the medical staff at the area hospitals are having meals delivered to them. That's what Americans do, and the president has demonstrated over and over again through this pandemic how deeply he loves Americans. And let's not forget those evil capitalistic businesses and billionaires. Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, and other businesses have come forward to work with the president to help the American people, losing money all the while. When President Trump asked Ford Motor Company if they'd help out by making respirators, even though they knew it meant losing money, Ford jumped all over it, because that's what Americans do. If I ever buy another car, you can bet it'll be a Ford. And then there's the billionaire owner of the New England Patriots. He took the Patriots jet to China, bought 1.7 million N95 masks, and brought them back to America to give them to medical care workers. These are the things that evil capitalist billionaires do, because they're Americans. And let's not forget faithful Catholic priests doing what only they can do. 
After all, we need more exposure to God now, not less. A priest in Maryland moved the monstrance to the glass doors at the front of the church so the people could adore Jesus from their cars. Priests in Michigan celebrate Mass outside so the lay faithful can participate from their cars. A number of priests across the country have set up drive through confessions. The first one was established by a priest in Maryland. Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, who had called on every Catholic priest in his diocese to lead a simple Eucharistic procession around the local parish church before the Feast of St. Joseph on March 19 as a way to fight the coronavirus, has himself gone into the public streets at busy street corners with a monstrance in hand to allow Jesus to bless passing motorists. That's what a real bishop looks like. Another priest in the Diocese of Camden flew over the entire diocese with a monstrance to allow Jesus to bless the diocese and to beg God for mercy and deliverance. There have been countless acts of heroic kindness during this pandemic. Sadly, though, there have also been evil, demonically driven Americans who've actually fought against us. First up is that loony leftist gun-grabbing David Hogg. President Trump said, It is my great honor to declare Sunday, March 15th, as a national day of prayer. How did Hogg respond? He tweeted, Don't let this administration address COVID-19 like our national gun violence epidemic. F a national day of prayer. We need immediate comprehensive action. As if prayer is an immediate comprehensive action. But Hogg's childish, petulant, hateful tweet caught the eye of Democratic Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib, who retweeted it. That a member of Congress would publicly retweet something like that is grounds for removal from office. Not to worry, though, she's probably going to lose her seat in November anyway. The New York Slimes outright blames Christians for the pandemic. The most attacked and discriminated against minority in America by the assorted malcontents and miscreants on the left is Christianity. So much for the left's compassion and acceptance. The idiot I call the bartender, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has really blown her America-hating gasket. For starters, she's saying Americans are racist because they're avoiding Chinese restaurants. Hey, you dipstick bartender, people are avoiding nearly all restaurants. We're locked down in case you hadn't noticed. Then the little America-hating pointy-headed thing said, If you don't infect yourself with the coronavirus, you're a racist. Really? Don't we ordinarily segregate dangerous lunatics from society for everyone's protection? Somebody needs to segregate her. Other demonic Democrats, such as Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and other miscreants and malcontents, have been working overtime to use this pandemic to force taxpayers to fund abortion, criticize the way the president has led us through this crisis, and set him up for another impeachment attempt. The demonic Democrats are showing how truly anti-American and evil their intentions are. Real Americans, though, have shown us why we know we live in the greatest country on planet Earth. They've gone above and beyond the call of duty as American citizens, and I, for one, am very, very proud of them. You should be, too. 
What do Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. Exorcist and theologian Father Chad Ripperger says priests are under an obligation to give the sacraments to Catholics in imminent danger of death, regardless of what their bishop says. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to LifeSite News. This is an opinion piece, but Kevin Wells offers some real-life examples of how the forces of hell are taking advantage of our bishop's misguided insistence that masses be suspended during the pandemic. This is a must-read piece. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to National Catholic Register. I am convinced that just as we were spared from serious error in Humanae Vitae, so the Holy Spirit spared the church in Querida Amazonia, says Monsignor Charles Pope. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to LifeSite News. Real Catholicism and traditional liturgy are the best tools to bring Europe back to Christianity, a priest said at a conference in Ireland. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number One Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Virgil Deschamps was Supreme Knight from 1977 to 2000. He died in his sleep February 15. God has called home a good man and one of the night's great leaders, Supreme Knight Carl Anderson said. Hear, hear, I couldn't agree more. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. Last week, I talked about how the bishops have betrayed us by stopping public masses and the sacraments. In my opinion, their actions imply they no longer have faith in God or His power. I received several comments from listeners, but there was one in particular that struck me as something that may be a typical line of thought among Catholics. The listener wrote, I understand perfectly what God said in the fourth commandment, but I also understand that bishops and every diocesan priest will be arrested and jailed for celebrating the holy sacrament where civil authorities forbid it. 
It's already happened in Florida, though not to a Catholic priest. I despise the fact that we cannot attend Mass and receive the Holy Eucharist, but I can't imagine that God is asking us to risk death to be with Him. This is not a situation calling for martyrdom. We see that in Africa and the Middle East. Now, if a government were to tell me not to attend Mass under normal circumstances, yes, I would gladly give my life for Jesus. But these are not normal circumstances. I continue to see, literally, Mass every day so I can honor the commandment. But bishops and priests cannot aid in the propagation of a disease by celebrating Mass. I'm not an expert in theology, so if you read this, I would not be able to counter any argument you present. This listener's been a loyal six-packer in a number of ways. While I appreciate his thinking and opinion, I completely disagree with him. Let me read you my response. I wrote, My motto, which is posted throughout the site, is comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This is one of those times when it applies so aptly. The First Amendment of the Constitution gives us the basis for why bishops are obligated under the Fourth Commandment to disobey these severe lockdowns. The First Amendment doesn't grant us freedom of religion because the state can't grant what God has already granted. It merely guarantees that the state will protect the right. These lockdowns infringe on our rights. As I said in the episode, Bishop Pat Rocky gave the perfect response by relieving Catholics of the Mass obligation while asking his priests to increase the availability of public Masses. The bottom line is, we either believe in the power of God, especially in the Mass, or we don't. Countless times throughout the Bible, in both Testaments and church history, when God's chosen people, and we Catholics are chosen, cry out to him in faith and confidence, he has worked miraculously to save his people. The bishops are denying us that opportunity to act as a single body. The Mass is much more powerful than social distancing or hand sanitizer. The situation in this country does indeed call for martyrdom. You mentioned that martyrdom takes place in Africa, but implied by the first part of that sentence that it's senseless. At least that's how it reads to me. My apologies if I'm misrepresenting it. The martyrdoms in Africa have made the faith truly alive and appreciated there. Prior to the neo-modernist spirit of Vatican II, not the council itself, caused thousands of priests to abandon their vocations and created a priest shortage, we sent missionaries to Africa. The faith is so bold and vibrant there now that they send missionaries here. My graphic designer is a young Catholic wife and mother in Nigeria. She and her family have to regularly hide from Boko Haram to avoid being slaughtered. She doesn't understand why American Catholics take our holy and ancient faith for granted the way we do. Despite Nigeria being locked down more strictly than we are, she still attends underground mass every day, as well as adoration when it's available. Prior to the pandemic, she and thousands of other Catholics attended daily mass and adoration despite that doing so could cost them their lives any given day. They don't understand comfort there only conviction. If the government stopping us from worshiping and calling out to God as he demands doesn't require martyrdom, what does? What else could? 
How long are we going to allow the state and culture to persecute our holy and ancient faith without so much as a whimper? Abortion, same-sex marriage, LGBT, and a laundry list of other offenses to God and Christianity grow more widespread every day because we allow it to continue without the bold response required by our founder, Jesus Christ. Catholics are supposed to put God above fear of death, fear of punishment, fear of persecution, and fear of anything else. The coronavirus can only kill our bodies, but failing to defend our faith can kill our souls. We've become too lukewarm in our richly blessed lives. Jesus said, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you from my mouth. Revelation 3.15 I've no way to know, of course, but I'm pretty certain all the martyrs in our glorious history are ashamed of us, as well they should be. I've faced the probability of martyrdom four times in the last 33 years. It's only scary the first time. I'm not telling you this to brag, I'm just making a point. We're far past the time when we need to take a genuine Catholic stand and do so without fear. If we really believe in God and our Catholic faith, then what are we afraid of? We already know how the story ends. Those who have the courage to do the right things, and doing the right thing always requires courage, will pass from this life to an eternal reward, something immensely better than this life. To repeat myself, courage and conviction don't live on the same block. It's time to evict comfort and move courage into the neighborhood. That was my response. But then just yesterday, I discovered an article on LifeSite News about something Bishop Athanasius Snyder said. Bishop Schneider has been a very outspoken prelate for the faith. He has stated that a priest, using discretion and following the necessary health precautions, has not to obey directives of the bishop or the government to suspend Mass for the Faithful. He also described the COVID-19 pandemic as a chastisement and purification. Directives canceling all public masses are pure human law. However, the supreme law in the church is the salvation of souls, he said. Priests in such a situation have to be extremely creative in order to provide for the faithful, even for a small group, the celebration of the Holy Mass and the reception of the sacraments. Such was the pastoral behavior of all confessor and martyr priests in the time of persecution, he added. Being prohibited by ecclesiastical authority from visiting the sick and the dying would also be a reason for a priest to disobey, Schneider explained. Such a prohibition is an abuse of power. Christ did not give a bishop the power to forbid visiting the sick and dying. A true priest will do everything he can to visit a dying person. Schneider called out the prevailing majority of bishops for having acted precipitously out of panic in prohibiting all public masses, and what is even more incomprehensible, in closing churches. Such bishops, he said, reacted more like civil bureaucrats than shepherds. In focusing too exclusively on all the hygienic protective measures, they have lost a supernatural vision and have abandoned the primacy of the eternal goods of souls. On March 21st, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke had equally criticized the suspension of public masses. 
He wrote, even as we have found a way to provide food and medicine and other necessities of life during a time of contagion without irresponsibly risking the spread of the contagion, so, in a similar way, we can find a way to provide for the necessities of our spiritual life. I can get it that people are afraid, and with just cause. However, we have to decide whether we're Catholics or merely citizens of our nation. Do we believe in God and his power, or don't we? Do we believe in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, or don't we? We have to decide which house we want to live in and on which block, Comfort House or Conviction House. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step -step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Dominic was a young nobleman from Spain in the 13th century. Early in his youth, he made a vow of chastity, which he was able to say on his deathbed he'd never violated. He burned with a zeal for the salvation of souls, as we all should. When Dominic went through France with his bishop, he saw firsthand the moral laxity and decay of Catholics in that country. This is what made him determined to found the Order of Preachers. The Albigensians were the Antifa of his day. They pillaged churches and murdered priests, while they rejected all morality and despised authority. St. Dominic dedicated himself to saving their souls. He went about preaching, and three times a night during prayer he'd scourge himself as a penance for their souls, but he made little headway. He appealed to the Blessed Virgin Mary. The heavens opened, and she appeared in a dazzling brightness holding a rosary. She said to Dominic, Be of good courage, Dominic. The fruit of your labor shall be abundant. 
The remedy for the evils you lament will be the meditation on the life, death, and glory of my son, uniting thereto the recitation of the angelic salutation by which the mystery of the redemption was announced to the world. Having explained the devotion of the rosary, she continued, This devotion you are to spread by your preaching is a practice most dear to my son and me. It is the most powerful means of putting away heresy, extinguishing vice, propagating virtue, imploring the divine mercy, and obtaining my protection. I desire that you always promote this manner of prayer. The faithful will obtain by it innumerable graces and will always find me ready to aid them in their wants. This is the precious gift which I leave to you and your children. Full of gratitude for Our Lady, Dominic went to the city of Toulouse. The people, by a mysterious call, had already assembled at the church. Dominic went to the pulpit and preached about the devotion revealed from heaven. For a while the people paid little attention to him. But a violent storm suddenly arose. Lightning lit up the church, and deafening explosions of thunder rocked the building. A statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary began to move, pointing to heaven and then to Dominic, as if heaven was imploring them to listen to him. The hearts of the people were touched. The victory was gained. The people begged to be taught this wonderful new devotion. Historians tell us that the result was more than 100,000 Albigensians returned to the church. Since the rosary is a devotion so dear to Jesus and Mary, and so fruitful to help you, make frequent use of the rosary. Never allow a day to go by that you don't pray it fervently. It'll bind you closer to the Mother of God, and that's a sure way of reaching God and saving your soul. Help your fellow Catholics, six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.